Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Happiness Through Hardship podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease, and the author of the book that shares the name of this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more, and this podcast will provide you with what worked for me, success stories and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. These stories promise to be like having an inspiring chat with a good friend who helps you find joy during whatever journey you may be on. Thank you so much for hitting the download button. I hope together we can find the happiness we all deserve. Today's episode is about family. To many, family plays a huge role during hard times. But what happens when building that family is the hardship? Multi-award-winning sports journalist Michelle Tafoya shares her story in creating the family of her dreams. She talks to us about how NFL talks in Hawaii, a baby shower, and a smiling angel are all a part of her journey, gaining a miracle and a gift. So grab your favorite drink, get cozy in your chair, or wherever else makes you happy, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am so excited. I am here today with Michelle Tafoya from NBC Sports. She is someone that I have known for years, coming from the Minneapolis area, and I am beyond thrilled that she's here with me today. If you are new to her, you, although I say that being like the world has got to know her, she has been in sports reporting her whole career, starting out in Charlotte and then coming to Minneapolis where she started on radio and then moved her way. I know I remember when she did some Timberwolves, uh, would you side run reporter for the Timberwolves, right, Michelle? That is correct. That Oh my gosh, it's been a long time, although it kind of feels like yesterday. But now she is the only three-time winner of the Sports Emmy for Outstanding Sports Personality. She's been with NBC Sports since, what, 2011? Something like that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I think, I, think I, I believe it's like 13 seasons, 14 seasons. And before that, she was with ESPN and ABC, and she has run the gamut. She has covered football. She's covered swimming. She's covered Olympics. Um. She has done so much, and I will tell you what I love about her is so much more than the talents that she has on air, and trust me, if you haven't watched her, you have to. She's amazing, but she is authentically herself. Whether you meet her in a locker room or you see her at Starbucks, she is kind, she is authentic, she is funny, and I can't wait for you to hear from her today because she has a lot of stories to tell as a parent, um, you know, as a woman, just sharing her life with us. So thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us today. It is so my honor. I, you know, uh, everyone that's listening Karen's an amazing woman, and uh, I it's an absolute honor to be with you. Well, thank you. Will you tell everybody? Now, I know I've been watching your social media. You're very candid. You are, like we said, authentic. And so for those who, like I said, are new to Michelle or new to social media, you got to check her out, and I'll leave that information for you. But you've been doing some 
a lot of videos. You feel like you get to know her. Will you tell us um, something about you, whether it's fun or personal, to get the listeners to get to know you a little better? Well, I'm the youngest of four kids. I always start there. I don't know why. I think it's just because family has always been a big, big part of my life. And uh, older brother, two older sisters, and I kind of as the youngest grew up just watching these three navigate the world and they were all so different from one another. It's amazing that you can have four kids with the same genetic pool and uh, you, you wind up being so, so, so different from one another, oh, but, I hear you. Uh, you know, and, um, but that's where it starts for me. And now I, you know, originally from California, now I live in Minnesota cause I got really bored with perfect weather. So I wanted to come to Minnesota <laughs> where it was less boring in terms of the weather, but you know, as well as I do, yes, uh, it's just, it's such a wonderful place to live. Well, and I've heard a lot of us Minnesotans say, and I do still consider myself a Minnesotan, even though I've been on the East coast for almost 20 years, that there's just something beautiful about four seasons. There's, mm-hmm. um, do you walk around the lakes? I love walking around yeah. the lakes. So it, it's there. The lakes, yes, there are at least ten thousand of them, and um, they're they're just beautiful, and they're a distinctive part of the state and the cities. And uh, yeah, there's that. And you know what sold me was I was here when I moved here. It was thirty below with the wind chill. I did. I thought, what am I doing? But then I saw the spring come and you know that turn up into the spring and suddenly all the snow is melting, all the brown is slowly turning to green. You start to see flowers pop up. You start to see bunnies and squirrels and 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 all these beautiful birds. And it's, I'd never seen it before in California. You don't see it like that. It's not like that. And it was such a beautiful um, thing to experience. I can just remember driving around and going, Oh my God, look, look at what, what is happening here. And it, it kind of changed my mind about Minnesota. Well, I, I love that. I also feel like in that time, everybody leaves their hibernation and yes. you start to see people outside and you're like waving to people you don't even know. Cause you're just so excited to be outside I, with them. I know. I know. And it sounds like we're all a bunch of bears that go into hibernation. And, and a little bit, it, it's true. I mean, you're out and about, you're, you're carting your kids to basketball and all the rest, but you know, and you're going to the grocery store, but when that's, when it gets warm and we're talking, you know, 49 degrees, right. <laughs> it's a day, right. You know, and it starts to get even warmer than that. Just suddenly your neighbors are on their porches. They're out watering their lawns. They're planting their flowers, whatever. And it's suddenly just, it's great. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, I like experiencing all four seasons. I really do. Well, like I said, I feel like a piece of Minnesota is always in my heart and I love that you appreciate it. And like you said, you never expected that you would stay there. I think more than a year or so and look at you now, right? It's home and it's where I'm raising my kids. It's, you know, I met my husband and he's, he wasn't born in Minnesota, but he basically spent his whole life here. And so, yeah, I am, uh, I mean, yes, I'm I even cheer, through and I through cheer for the golfers now, you know, cause, yeah. cause <laughs> all my husband to the Minnesota. I saw some of your pictures on social media with, with, uh, your daughter at, um, uh, you know, the Skyma, right? Like I could sing yeah, that. Yeah. My Minnesota hats off to thee. 
Yes. So the uh, the great experiences that we've had there. So will you talk to us a little bit? We've all had hardship in our lives. And the way we deal with it can really help others, you know, maybe see a bit of a, a bright light. So I would love for you to share a story or even two about, you know, an experience in your life that was was really hard and how how you worked your way through it. The toughest experience I've ever had to work through was um, not being able to have a child for a long time. I got married when I was 35, so it was already, you know, kind of not in that typical 27-year-old getting married. So, um, but I felt so confident that I would have no problem having children. So we waited a couple of years to start trying. And then when we did, I had a, a miscarriage and then I had another miscarriage and then I started to get nervous. And I, you know, at this point I'm 37, 38 years old. And so I went to see a, um, a specialist and he said, I'm going to show you some numbers here. And I don't want this to scare anyone because this has an incredibly happy ending. So know that going in here. Um, but he said, after 35, you're, you know, your ability to have children starts to decline. And it's because um, you're just, I'll put it out there bluntly, your eggs just aren't as fresh and they don't split the, the everything doesn't split the way it's supposed to and yada, yada. So we did the whole IVF and, um, and we got pregnant with identical twins and four months in, I lost those too. So, um, my husband had been my rock through it all, just supporting and supporting after that loss. Um, cause now we're on our third pregnancy there. And he, uh, I found him sitting at the dining room table one day with his head in his hands, very out of character for him. And so I felt, okay, now it's time for me to be the rock. And I asked him what was up. And he said, I thought we were going to have this white picket fence marriage. I don't know if we are. And, you know, because we both wanted children so badly. And, and then something really awful happened. I mean, it's not, <laughs> this sounds so selfish, but it's amazing when you're trying to have a baby, when you're trying to get pregnant, how many people around you just start getting pregnant. Yeah. And it's not they do. It's just that you notice yeah. every single one. Right. So my sister-in-law, um, Mark's sister, who is considerably younger than I am and had been dating this guy, found out she was pregnant. They weren't married yet. Uh, but I got this news that here she was not even married yet, although they got engaged immediately after they found out she was pregnant. I probably spent four hours crying on a sofa. I can, I can picture it. I remember it. I remember my husband trying to be there for me. He couldn't possibly be there for the whole four hours because it was too taxing. But I thought, what is happening here? What is going on? So we got to the point where we even considered donor eggs. And um, we were going through that process of finding a donor and the whole bit. And um, I decided also with my sister-in-law being pregnant, I was going to throw the baby shower. It would be the only way I could function through this is wow. to put my head down and throw the baby shower and have some measure of activity in this, what for her was a joyous time and what for me was a miserable time. Meanwhile, we go to the NFL owners meetings in Hawaii. And this one day I remember I'm walking up the steps and I'm of this resort and I'm climbing up the steps. And I'm like, I got to stop. I'm exhausted. And I go climb up another few steps. I'm like, I got to stop. I'm like, what is going on? This time change is really messing with me. 
get back from Hawaii, which is where the NFL owners meetings are, take a pregnancy test. And sure enough, I'm pregnant. And it was so, I just went, oh my gosh. And I had no reason to be optimistic, none. But for some reason, I was optimistic. I like went out for a walk that day. I couldn't wipe the smile off my face. I can't tell you why, because every other pregnancy had ended total, you know, just sobbing. And for whatever reason, I was happy. And so I went on and I threw this baby shower and everyone except the pregnant women are drinking. <laughs> and I, I'm faking like I'm drinking some peach cocktail, but I had no liquor in it. I'm in the best mood. I throw this great baby shower. And um, we're not going to tell anyone, obviously, Mark and I, my husband, because we don't want to go through that again. Of, right. Oh, we lost the baby. So we said we're not telling anyone until we get to like four months, have an amniocentesis, make sure it's all good. And we did. And it was all good. And I found out I'm having a boy and I'm over the moon. And sure enough, I'm at my sister-in-law's wedding, uh, hugely pregnant as one of her bridesmaids up there in the, you know, I'm massive. By this time she had had her baby who was the little flower girl in the wedding. And it was all just amazing. And I have this perfectly healthy, incredible now 14 year old son. And so that's one part of the happy ending. The other part is that once we'd gone through all that hell and been then given this total miracle, we decided to adopt and that's a whole nother long story I won't go through, but we adopted our daughter from uh, Bogota, Colombia in South America. And she was three months when we met her and now she's 11 and just the greatest gift I've ever been given in my life. You can have a family. How you get there is just a matter of some decisions. And it, I'm not saying it's not going to hurt. It hurt like hell to go through that. It was the worst stretch in our lives, yeah. I, I think visually and together. But um, now we're just like, you know, dealing with a teenager talking back all the time. So, <laughs> And that time seems like so long ago. So tell me a little bit about when you said Mark's head was on the table, you decided you needed to be the rock. Yeah. And again, you got this phone call about the shower. How did you find it in you to be the force? I don't know. I think I had no other choice. I think I felt like if I don't become an active participant in this and have something to focus my energies on, I'm going to spend her whole pregnancy bitter, yeah. uh, jealous, envious, and that's not where I want to be. I don't, I just, that sounds horrible to me. I don't want to be a bystander and just look on with envy and sadness. And so I'm going to be, I'm going to do something with this. And I think it it was a little more selfish than it sounds because it was about being able to function through this thing. And, you know, of course I wanted to give her a wonderful shower. I think it was, it was a survival mechanism for me. Right. Right. Now you said you went out to, was it Hawaii? Yes, with the NFL owners meetings, yeah. NFL owners meetings, and you were all winded, and you you came home and you found out you were pregnant. Was there anything that you think that that was going on that you know here you are pregnant and you just had this beautiful feeling of positivity? I can't tell you why, unless there was some spiritual divine intervention saying to me through this, 
this one's going to be okay. I promise you. I don't know why. I mean, every other time, you know, except the first time, because you, you get pregnant the first time you think everything's hunky dory. It's all going to be yeah. great. The next time you're with a little more trepidation and then you lose that baby. And then the next time you just don't even really, you're just like tense and, you know, um, and then you lose those babies. And now I had no reason to be optimistic, none, um, except that here we were deep into this decision of donor eggs. Think about that. It's your husband and the eggs of another woman. Yeah. And mm. But to me, that seemed really no different from adoption because you're just adopting the eggs, right? right and right. and so it, I was okay. I mean, it was a last resort for us to have our own child. Uh, so we're in that path. We're going down that path. We are fully uh, invested in that path. And so I get pregnant and I'm thinking, hmm, this just happened without even trying. So <laughs> I just... I don't know. I, I don't, I had no reason to be happy, but you couldn't wipe the smile off my face that day. It just, it, I, I, it was weird. Well, that's amazing. I, and I feel like, you know, anecdotally, I've heard stories where people are trying and trying and trying and trying. And then when they're not trying and, and I can say for us, we did not know if I'd be able to get pregnant because of the chemotherapy I'd had earlier. And so we had been trying and trying and trying and every month, I mean, you know, you come back and, uh, you know, the stick shows that you're not pregnant. And there was one month I was going out to Burbank and my husband who still works in baseball and he was working in baseball at the time was down at spring training. So we were not going to be together when I was, you know, ovulating. So there, you know, other than like a day and, um, and lo and behold, that was the month that we, you know, got pregnant and Kyle is, is here today. So uh, I have heard a number of, of stories like that when the yeah. stress is off. Did you try any modalities? Like, you know, I, I did acupuncture is one of them. Did you try anything like that? Or was that, I mean, this was also 14 years, 15 years ago, I guess, when you got pregnant. Right. right. Uh, it, you know, it's amazing when people find out that you're trying to get pregnant and you're having trouble, how much advice they have for you. Oh, <laughs> it's incredible. Yes. And it got to the point, I mean, we actually had a woman say, you know, when we got pregnant, we were at this little inn in Wisconsin. And I, as we had sex, I was facing East. And I was like, are you kidding me? You know, have this kind of tea. Um, you need to blah, 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 blah. It was just, I, it was so, honestly, you just didn't, want it. So we just trusted our doctor and we just, and and he, you do hear those anecdotes of like people, okay, we're going to go through adoption now and they go and they adopt their kid. And while they're in the process of adopting, they get pregnant. That is, I think it's purely anecdotal. He's told me the numbers don't support that, but I okay. think, I think we hear it so much because those are the, wow, you know, pregnancies, the right. ones that unexpected. And I've seen it in my own life. I truly have. But um, anyway, no, I didn't try anything other than what the doctor said. And just, you know, I I, know that the short answer is no, we just kind of were very, uh, whatever you tell us, doc, that's what we do. Right, right, right. Well, they're the ones who are doing, you know, that studied all this. And they're the ones that are um, really, and and I consider my doctors my main caregivers in a sense. Uh, is there any advice? I mean, here we are talking about advice and, and I'm not talking about like run of the mill advice. Is there anything just from the bottom of your heart that you, you know, if there's a good friend here, 
that's going through this similar hardship as you, like what would you share with them? I would say you will have a family somehow, some way. And I was really afraid of adoption. Um, I was really thinking, I want my own baby. Let me just tell you that Olivia, my daughter, is my baby. Um, she was, she knows, by the way, that she was born. She came out of another woman's, woman's tummy. She knows she's from Colombia. She's very proud of that. Um, and yet, that's our baby. Don't be afraid of it. I think you, when you go through adoption, you go through basically adoption boot camp where you have to go through all these meetings and interviews. And I mean, we had to file legal forms. I didn't, I'd never heard of before. And, um, and that's a good thing because you don't want any corruption in all of this. And there has been, but it's a long process. If you're even thinking about it, just start the process. It cannot hurt you. Just start the process. One of the things that was so inspiring about going through that was seeing these parents get up there and talk to you about their own experiences and seeing this father break down because he said, if we had been able to get pregnant, we never would have met these two children that they adopted from Guatemala. And he just started crying and saying, I can't imagine my life without these two. And so I'm so blessed. And so while it's, I understand, I understand how it feels to want your own child and how you don't want to just resort, quote unquote, to adoption. It is one of the greatest gifts you could give yourself and that child. Um, When I think about what Olivia could have grown up in, in Bogota, and what she has here in terms of the love, the opportunities, the the love, (laughs) um, it, it almost brings me to tears. And she is amazing. And she is the gift that never stops giving. And you, you get to have a lot of say in who and how you adopt and when and why and, and where. And it's just a matter of finding that spot for you. And I know a lot of parents who have adopted children. And I'm telling you, it's your child. Once you take that baby in your arms or that toddler in your arms and you commit, um, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Oh, that's so beautiful. I'm, oh, I'm speechless. I just, uh, I know for so many people that I talk to that have been going through cancer, they want a family, they want a family. And this is such a wonderful message that we all can have family. However, that way works for us, but you're providing just such, such inspiration And she's such a cute kid too. Not that that matters, but she looks like she's so happy from some of the pictures that you've posted. I'm going to tell you this. When we first met her, she was in a hospital in Bogota. We went in, she was asleep. They, the nurses woke her up and she smiled. She woke up and she smiled at us. And then again, I don't want to drag on on this story, but she had to have surgery while we were down there. She had to have um, her aorta surgically repaired. So she went through this surgery at, you know, the ripe old age of three and a half months, four months old. And we were just fingers crossed. And then uh, after she was in the intensive care for a few days after her surgery. So after her surgery, Mark, my husband, we can only go in one at a time. Mark goes in first, takes his 
first generation iPhone or whatever it was. Uh-huh. With him. She wakes up and she smiles at him. Oh. And she's laying there, this infant with, you know, the thing sticking out of her nose to give her oxygen, the whole bit. She wakes up and she smiles at him. And we have a picture of that moment. I'm so, so, so glad he took that picture because she just hasn't stopped smiling since. She is, she's an angel. I, I mean, it's like she's, it's like God put an angel in our lives. I don't know. And I'm not saying every adoption is going to be like this, but you don't know what you're going to get. And that's the beauty of it. And it's, um, she's awesome. She's amazing. Well, isn't that true with life? Like, yeah. like you were saying, you've, there, there's a uh, few other siblings and everybody's different. You just don't know in, in life what you get. Right. 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 You don't. You don't. Uh, <laughs> well, what do you guys as a family? So what do you love to do as a family? Just. We love to travel whenever we can. There's so much um, baseball and soccer and basketball and football in our lives that a lot of our time, especially in the summer, is spent at a baseball park or a soccer field. These kids are committed to these sports, and so they don't miss games. And so there's a couple of times a year where we get to be, you know, that everything's off for a stretch. No soccer, no baseball. And we just pick up and we go. And when it's the four of us together, um, and we've done some stuff where you get to interact with a lot of other people, but that's that's my favorite. Uh, it's just the four of us together, getting sort of to know each other in different ways than you do in your everyday lives, spending that quality time, giving your children memories, yeah. giving them mm-hmm. wonderful childhood memories. And um and, and I love being with family, honestly, uh, but it's, it's, it's a joy to watch them grow in school, in their sports, as people. Um, it, it just, it's, it's remarkable. So uh, there's really nothing I don't love about it. It's just, I love all of it. That's, uh, that's great. Our family's really gotten into baseball. My husband loved it growing up, you know, played high school and my son now you know, also the same age as Olivia loves baseball. So we have the big poster up in his room where we are trying to hit off all the, um, the baseball, f- you know, the major league baseball field. Oh, so. awesome. How many have you gotten to? Uh, we've got seven. We have a ways to go, but. You have many years ahead to try to do we, that. I love that. We do. And, and we've been going to spring training the last few years. In fact, you'll appreciate this. I wanted to go, not this past Friday, the Friday before the University of Minnesota Gophers were playing the Minnesota Twins. And my dad, though in Florida, is still a huge Twins fan. And so we were going to go to that game, but we didn't because uh, we were up with the Yankee spring training in Tampa. And it just, you know, it was going to take too long to drive. But we thought about it. So it's, um, I'll tell you something. I married a baseball player. My husband played baseball at the University of Minnesota. And but I was never into baseball ever, ever. Uh, my brother played it, but I, you know, whatever. And then I started watching my son and, you know, they go through the T-ball and yep. then the coach pitch and all this, all this stuff. I now, I love baseball. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> you have to almost learn it through the eyes of a kid and grow with it to appreciate all the nuances and all the thinking that goes into baseball. It's awesome. Well, and I will tell you, I was a, the... My father had you know, two daughters, would take my sister to the Vikings games and would take me to the North Stars. Again, I'm aging myself here. The North Stars and the 
Twins games. And so I remember in 87 when the Twins won the World Series. Oh, us, gosh, you're so lucky. We got off school to go downtown to the Twins Parade. Yeah. And so I have a little bit of that. And I, I will say, you know, side note, when you and I met when I was at Target Center, I, in doing the PR for Target Center, I would have some of those athletes, like Kirby Puckett would call me to get tickets to, <laughs> you know, Target Center wrestling. And I was like, what is, you know, it, it meant a lot to me because, you know, yeah. growing up in the late 80s, like Kirby Puckett, and he still yeah. is, you know has been an icon there. But um, one other thing that my family loves to do, and I want to share with everybody, and I'd love for you to play with me, is my son and I created what we call the Grateful Game. And every night before bed, you know, he still lets me come lie in bed with him and we'll chat about our day, which I don't know about you. This is like when I get the most information from him. Oh, yeah. Right? He doesn't want to go to sleep. Uh, but we'll play the Grateful Game. We give each other each a minute to see who can... Uh, when? Who can tell us the most amount of things that they are grateful for that day? And so if you're willing to play with me, yeah, uh, that's awesome. I will kick it off. And in one minute, if I get to two or three, you win by just getting, uh, you know, seeing if you can name one more. And I'll tell you what, the truth is, is I think we all win when we think about things that we appreciate. Okay. All right. So t today I will say I am grateful um, I am so grateful that after all these years that you, Michelle, Tafoya Vandersall, are here chatting with me, catching up on old times and also what's going on in our lives now. So thank you. I know you're busy. Um, you know, I know you've got a full life with work and with the family. Thank you for being here for this podcast and this call. My um, honor. Um, number two, I am grateful for a new smoothie that I was making yesterday and I made enough that I have it in my fridge now. And so after this, I'm going to go get it. I love smoothies. And so I'm really grateful that one came out. They don't always come out well, <laughs> right? But I've got some goodness to you later. And let's see, third of all, I am grateful that it's actually a beautiful day. Connecticut weathers aren't quite as cold as Minneapolis, but it is sun is shining out today. Uh, it's supposed to be in the in the fifties, so Ooh. I think I can take a nice long walk and not be as bundled up as I usually am. Oh, that's so great! It's so great! It's amazing how where we come from, um, a fifty degree day is like balmy, and you don't even want to wear a jacket. You just want to, you know. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so your turn. I'm throwing it to you. If you can get three. In a minute, that's great. Four, but I just want to hear what you are grateful for. I have my timer on my watch right now at set for one minute. I'm going to hit go, and I'm going to go, and I'm not going to watch my – well, I have to watch the watch, I guess. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. Here I got go. your back. All right. I am grateful for medicine that is keeping you healthy and vibrant. I am so grateful for our medical system in this country oh, that has taken care of my daughter as well after her – aortic coarctation. Um, I hope our medical system remains the envy of the world because the people here are brilliant. Um, I am grateful for my husband. And I am also grateful for the week that I'm about to have without him. Because every once in a while, when you get the house and kids to yourself, there's something really fun and adventurous about that. He's off uh, on a golf week with some buddies. Honey, have a great time. I'm so grateful that you're going, but I'm also grateful for my time alone with my kids. 
Um, I'm grateful for these Ugg slippers that I have on and, and they haven't made this style in a long time and I'm hoping they will again because I love them. And I am grateful for my kids, obviously, and um, that the spring is just around the corner. That was awesome. Well, you win. <laughs> but like I said, you know, to me, uh, it's all just about when we're grateful, when we think about the positive things in our life. And that was something that is, it's really important for me. I felt like going through all, you know, life's ob obstacles that I've gone through to be able to look at a you know, a little bit of positivity through your day. And studies are showing that those who are grateful, they tend to be obviously happier, but it helps with healing as well as, you know, with, with personal successes. So thank it's, you, Michelle. Uh, it's incredible to talk to you. I just, I'm, I am kind of, you, what you've done is what the Stoics did. And I'm very into Stoicism. Wow. You have taken an obstacle which is cancer, and you have made it work for you. Uh, does that make sense? Like you have turned, it has changed your life it for, has. I think, better. Yeah. And that's an amazing accomplishment. So congratulations. Well, thank you. I, um, thank you. I never would have pictured my life to be this way. I guess who does? Right. But on the same note, I'm really grateful. I live a, a beautiful life. So uh, so thank you. So, you know, for everybody, I will, I'll have information on how you can connect with Michelle. She is all over social media and it is just um, amazing to be able to watch her there. She's on Twitter. She's on Facebook. She's on Instagram and she is on Cameo. So <laughs> we'll, we'll get that information for you. And of course you can always see her on NBC. And I know that NBC Sports, we're talking uh, football seems like football season's far away, but it uh, it goes by really quickly. So uh, again, thank you everybody for listening. And Michelle, it's been an honor. So we'll say bye for now, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover this show. Now my parting words. I play the grateful game at the end of this episode and also the first one as well. And here is why. After my second diagnosis, I started to research who was thriving with cancer and what they were doing to be well. I learned that wellness is about consistent self-care creating everyday practices that help improve your body and mind toward a good state of health. And for me, focusing on gratitude brings just that, tremendous positive energy into my life. And with that being said, I want to point out how grateful I am always, and especially right now for the medical community. Whether it's like Michelle mentioned, having trust in your doctors to help with infertility or brilliant researchers working on better cancer treatments for any ailment, especially stage four patients like myself. But especially, and especially the past few months, the community of healthcare practitioners from doctors, nurses, techs, researchers, and all essential workers that are helping save lives and keep others safe due to the COVID-19 pandemic, I am incredibly grateful for them. And I believe tapping into gratitude whenever you are going through hardship can make your days a little easier. 
If you're looking for more healthy living tips, please follow me on Instagram at prettywellness or go to prettywellness.com. These are our platforms about taking small steps towards better health. And of course, if you know someone recently diagnosed with cancer or their caregiver, the book titled the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship, is available where books are sold on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you for subscribing and rating us. Please tune in every Wednesday for new episodes and mini episodes on Friday for those wanting more cancer inspiration. Sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.